On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, why it's important that the Thunder are so well represented at the FIBA World Cup, the Thunder's preseason slate is underway, and what this team can look like after a very important summer. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. You can also text the show, 405-963-3686. On today's show, brought to you by FanDuel. Let's dive into the FIBA World Cup. Is Shea the best player? In the FIBA tournament, the hidden benefits of the Thunder being so well represented at this FIBA World Cup, plus the preseason schedule has released, and we'll discuss some of the depth on this team, which again, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. The FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of LockedOn. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Subscribe to Locked On Thunder anywhere you get your podcasts from on YouTube and also on other podcasting platforms. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, and we're here in the offseason grinding it out. A special guest on tomorrow's podcast. Then, as you know, and I appreciate those of you that have already left your submissions. You will hear those on the show. So get your submissions in right now, if you haven't already, of what you think the best case scenario is for the Oklahoma City Thunder this season. If everything in the world went absolutely perfect, what would this season look like for Oklahoma City? You can do that on the YouTube comment section. You can do that on Twitter. You can also do that by texting for 05-963-3686, where you can directly access the show uh, with questions, comments. You can get news there and everything else. So check it out today, uh, 405-963-3686, and also on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. So a lot to dive into today, starting with the preseason schedule, which has been released. And I think it's a fairly incredible schedule when you when you kind of break it down so october 9th basketball's back and that is it doesn't feel that way right now but i promise you that is right around the corner at the end of september you know we'll have media day training camp will get underway and then boom it's time for thunder basketball so you got to think of like hey the the fiba Exhibitions are starting this week. Team USA played uh, you know, tonight. Uh, Shea in Canada and Dort and them play Wednesday. Josh, you know, and this weekend, Josh Giddy plays next week. So this is all getting rolling here for FIBA. Then after FIBA, you know, you have a couple weeks off, football will be going on, and then boom, it's basketball season yet again. So it's it's coming up close. October 9th, the Thunder will be in the Paycom Center playing the San Antonio Spurs at 7 p.m. October 12th, they'll be in Montreal, Canada, playing the Detroit Pistons. 
October 15th, they'll be playing the Charlotte Hornets at 4 p.m. in Charlotte. And then October 17th in OKC against the Bucks. October 19th uh, in Tulsa against the Pistons. And so, first and foremost, it's pretty cool that the Thunder are playing in Montreal, which is Lou Dort's hometown and also, of course, the home country for Shea. Uh, and, it, and it kind of goes hand-in-hand, hand, in my opinion, with the fact that the organization played uh, the Adelaide 36ers uh, last preseason, which was a nod, of course, to Josh Giddy, who played there whenever he was with the NBL prior to the NBA draft. So it's pretty cool that the Thunder have taken the time to craft this preseason schedule. I would imagine that teams have say in if they want to travel abroad or not for the preseason and um, to, to, to do this in these kind of meaningful exhibitions. And then with the fans in Tulsa who, who rally around that preseason game every year and support that preseason game every year, um, you're going to get a good game against the Pistons. Like, like, like the Pistons uh, in Tulsa, you're going to have Cade Cunningham, who of course went to Oklahoma state and Stillwater around the Tulsa area, uh, you know, close for the, for the Stillwater faithful, but also the, the Pistons have Cade Cunningham. They have Jaden Ivy. They have Azar Thompson. They have the They have a fun team. You know, Giannis might play. Uh, on October 17th and in the preseason in the, in the NBA guys actually play. It's not like in football, like they, they play and they play like, you know, 20 plus minutes, which is, which is not nothing <laughs> in the NBA. But the biggest thing here, as long as everybody's healthy and as long as the Spurs aren't doing anything weird with the preseason of who plays, who doesn't, uh, you know, getting Victor versus Chet, I, I think is a bit of a statement from the NBA of, of trying to manufacture, trying to craft this natural, newest rivalry before December 1st, the thunder will have seen Victor come to town to play Chet twice at least because they're going to play in that in-season tournament at home in the Paycom center in November. Um, the exact date is not yet known, but we know it'll be in November. Uh, and then they're going to play this preseason game, October 9th against the Spurs, which I imagine will also be the Spurs preseason opener, if not close to it. And it's going to be highlighted on, you know, Victor versus Chet. So getting that force fed with the natural, you know, the national media thinks that they're kind of similar players. The fan bases are obviously going to go at it about uh, who the better player ends up being. And just the fact that you have two very big egos, very big um, confident players and basketball junkies and guys like that. Like it's going to be fun to, to get that rough of the bat. And again, to get two of those matchups, prior to December 1st that just really jumpstart this possible rivalry. And so when you're handcrafting a preseason schedule, the fact that we can rattle off these interesting games is great for the fans. And like that Spurs game is in the Paycom Center. So I, I imagine that preseason games, I don't know this for a fact, but I imagine preseason games are included in your season ticket package, or at least you get like a healthy, um, you know, benefit for buying preseason game tickets uh, with your season tickets. Uh, so like you get the possibility of your season tickets, including uh, a preseason Victor game. And let me tell you, Victor is the type of player. Chet's the type of player. Like the fact that we haven't seen Chet play in the NBA yet. Like, like that's the type of game to where Victor plays in it and Chet plays in it. And that's his first action on an actualized NBA court. Of course, he's played in summer league twice, but like, is an actualized NBA court and like a, a more real life regular season game. That's his first taste of it. If Victor breathes this year, it's going to be headline news. Um, that will be and feel like something big 
even though it's just preseason. You know, playing in Montreal, the storylines from that. You know, I imagine they're, they're, they're the great content team over there with Nick Gallo and, and Paris Lawson and everyone else uh, over there, Matt Tumbleson and everyone that does like he, helps out with the Thunder um, films and stuff, uh, uh, Dan Mahoney, guys like that. Like, I imagine there should be some great content out of that game in Montreal because Lou Dort even had a video that the team put together where he was like talking about how excited he is to kind of show the guys around Montreal. And so, you know, going to his favorite X spot or whatever will be a fun little video. I'm sure they can put together like stuff like that will be fun for the preseason. So ultimately this is going to be an awesome uh, experience for fans, for the team and just give you that taste of what it's going to be like. And to put a cherry on top, this roster sits at 21 players. And so there's going to be, there's going to be roster battles and like into the roster battles that you have proven as fans to care about. Like you, you guys, and the numbers on roster projections and 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 questions about the roster, you guys have proven to care about that stuff. So like that will um, start to take shape in front of your eyes here, starting on October 9th. And of course, before that, in training camp and any you know reports we get from practice and talking to coach after practice and things like that. But the preseason schedule, as far as it lines up, you get to play Victor, you get to play a young team in the Pistons twice. Um, you know, the Hornets and then, you know, po- the possibility of what the Bucks will be. The Bucks are one of those teams where, you know, they might be a team that like doesn't play a lot of guys or doesn't play them a lot of minutes. You know, Giannis might not play, but if he does, and if they do play, it'll be a fun little witness test for like 20 minutes before, uh, before things turn preseason. Coming up, let's talk about the Thunder playing in the FIBA World Cup, how well represented they are, what the benefits of that are for OKC. But first, I want to say right now, but our good friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is awesome. FanDuel is where you want to be because football season is just about to kick off. And FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long, including right now. Even though we're not yet at games, you can bet on who you think will be the Super Bowl winner. And the thing is, you don't have to bet on that and then wait for the Super Bowl because you get bonus bets every time that that team wins a regular season game. So if you think that the Chiefs will win the Super Bowl, you bet them to win the Super Bowl, and then every time that the Chiefs win a, win a regular season game, boom, you get bonus bets. It is it is a fun way to couple a long-term bet with short-term gain and long-term game if you can correctly predict the Super Bowl winner. So you just pick the team you want to win the Super Bowl, and then boom, you get bonus bets back for every single victory. And then from there, you can also bet on the normal stuff, spreads, player props, over-unders, and everything else that is happening at FanDuel. So that's how great FanDuel is. And you can get that perk by visiting FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. But for owning bonus bonus bets with America's number one sports book, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Folks, the Thunder are incredibly represented at the FIBA World Cup tournament, and we're going to cover it all um, starting this week, obviously, with with Team Canada playing on Wednesday. Um, So we'll cover it all here on Lockdown Thunder. So subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast feed that you listen to, you know, follow on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles and the thunder have Shay and Lou on team Canada. They have Jack white and Josh Giddy on team Australia, uh, which team Australia has not 
cut down their roster to the um, extent that they need to for you know tournament play, for group play. But I imagine that Jack White will make the team. Obviously, Josh Giddy will. And then obviously, Shay and Lou will make the team for Team Canada. And then J-Dub and Chet have also been playing in FIBA to an extent on Team USA Select, which they've been scrimmaging and practicing with the actual Team USA uh, leading up to this point to get Team USA ready for scrimmages and for uh, exhibitions and for now uh, the tournament whenever it starts at the end of this month. So let's just go through some notes here. And then let's talk about a debate that's happening right now around the FIBA world. So as I mentioned, let's start with the Team USA guys. J-Dub has looked really good in these scrimmages. So Team USA Select beat the regular Team USA twice on, what was it, Friday um, in two 10-minute scrimmages. They beat them twice. Um, and in those scrimmages, J-Dub looked really good. The the size that, he's puts on, that he put on, the way he's using that size to his advantage, but keeping that same pacing about himself that he had last year, his effectiveness is still there and efficiency is still there. J-Dub just looks so good on the court. He looks so good on the court and, and he is playing the way you would expect him to play. And that type of consistency is pretty astonishing. I know that he's an older rookie, especially by modern standards, but the fact that in every environment he's been in, Santa Clara to the Thunder to the different variations of the lineups and, and, and teammates he's played with for the Thunder his rookie year, to the, the stage in Vegas against Team USA. The fact that his game stays the same and stays consistent and you know he never tries to do too much, never tries to play outside of himself, never tries to reinvent the wheel, but he's able to, to, to play his way of basketball, that to me is why he has such a bright future, is that he can play his game independent of what you do. He can play his style of basketball no matter who he's playing with. You know, star-studded team select team with a lot of young risers or who he's playing against, which I know Team USA does not have our best guys out there. One thing that they do have, though, is a lot of quality defenders. Like, I, I love Bridges' defense. Love Jaron Jackson Jr.'s defense, defensive player of the year. Like he has, they have these guys out there and, and Jada was still able to play his type of game. And so that, I think that that just continues to prove um, how repeatable his game is. And so it's easy to say that when he's dominating as a rookie and just to lean on that crush that I've been leaning on all year. Like, Hey, this is repeatable stuff. Then you see him in team USA and you know he's playing for different coaches. He's playing in a different environment with different teammates. He's playing against different players, he, you know, and, and he's on a, he's on the different end of a spectrum in this sense where he's the practice player and not a, a, a team USA player. And that doesn't matter. He still plays the same way, same attitude, same efficiency, same style. And so that's why I don't really worry about him regressing from his rookie year, which was, a, which was a fantastic rookie year because while it was great production and while it was pretty, you know, alarming production as a rookie to impact the game at such a high level in terms of wins for OKC, None of it was fake. You know, none of it felt fraudulent. None of it felt like, well, the NBA teams can adjust to this, or well, you know, he got hot at the right time, and um, you know, he'll never be able to to, to rekindle these these the stretch of games where he hit fifteen thousand threes. All of it feels pretty repeatable, and you saw that at Team USA Select. 
this this past weekend. Rashad Holmgren, you know, he showed flashes. Uh, he's still kind of you know learning his spots, and and there were some turnover issues there. But I don't mind that. Like I, I don't mind um, his turnovers because this is the moment to make them. Th- th- this is where you want to see him test his limits and and explore what he can do. Whenever there's no consequence, like in summer league, there's no consequence. Win, lose, or draw, it does not matter. Team USA select doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if he turns it over a billion times or if he turns it over zero times. You'd rather see him be be uh, you know explorative of his game in this setting and 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 against these players and in this low you know low um, leverage type of environment than anywhere else. And it's going to take time. And that's why uh, that's why I say that like the Thunder are going to be better this year, but it's also going to take some some development of like they're going to have to let Chet cook sometimes, and that's going to look really really good. It's also going to look like a few turnovers in a row. Like it's going to you're going to see both ends of that this year. So I, I just would not worry about it too much. But but being team USA was was interesting was interesting in those scrimmages. They're playing off of Cade Cunningham, who is by far dominating. Uh, Team USA right now in practice and, and getting them prepared. And he's been the talk and the toast of the town in Vegas. Uh, Kate Cunningham has. But what play style does Kate Cunningham have and possess? And who does who does he get compared to a lot? Guys that J-Dub and Chet, you know, a guy that J-Dub and Chet are going to play off of every single night is who Kate Cunningham gets compared to a lot. And, and this goes not only for the Team USA guys, but for everyone. You know, to a T, as if it's rehearsed, Everyone who touches FIBA basketball and Olympic basketball, Olympic basketball for, for their countries and Team USA specifically talk about how valuable of an experience that is. You know, with Team USA to be around so many NBA guys, even last year, you know, and I should say this year, you know, SGA was telling us like whenever we'd ask him about his defensive turnaround and, and about you know, his, his improvement of his game defensively and offensively this year, he highlighted more than once that like he felt like playing in the Team Canada qualifiers last summer was what propelled him to have such a good year this year. So this stuff actually does matter. And we've have a we have a proven track record of it mattering for players and um for for you know development. Now shifting into other areas of the FIBA and why it matters, Jack White. Jack White playing in competitive environments where he's playing against NBA players for Team Australia. It's going to be a, a, a great thing to observe as a guy who's on the roster bubble. I think also Josh Giddy getting to be the man, getting to run an offense, getting to organize a team, getting to be the guy. That's an area of development that he's going to, to be equipped with this summer. He's the guy on that team, Australia team. You know, it's a good team over there too. But he's the one that's going to be in charge. And putting him in that position to learn and grow in is going to, I think, allow him to be take, take a step and be better equipped for if that ever needs to happen in the NBA. And, and and not even talking like, you know, if he ever gets his own team in the NBA. I'm saying like, we know how the NBA works. It's 82 games, and, and most of the time, guys don't play 82 games. So there's going to be points where, hey, we need you, Josh. Tonight, we need you to you know be the guy. 
And so getting that time right now in, in FIBA doing it will be pretty interesting to, to kind of for him to take it and learn with it and run with it. Shay, of course, is leading Team Canada as well, which is going to be fun to see those two guys lead their respective countries and teams. And But with Team Canada, I also want to highlight Lou Dort. Okay, we've been giving Lou Dort a pass, and I'm I'm probably the most guilty of it, of anyone in Thunder Media, of like giving Lou Dort a pass of, you know, this is a guy who is struggling offensively, but it's a product of, he's one of the only players who would be aggressive, one of the only players besides Shea who would, he would go get his get his shot and go go um you know be aggressive toward the rim. And so it led to some bad shots, it led to some inefficiencies, it led to some bad play offensively, but he's not a bad offensive player. And I've been saying that. And and I've been saying like you put you put door around more talented offensive players and he's gonna look more efficient because what has he done his whole career? He shot he shot corner threes really well as, as a as a career three-point shooter, as a career offensive player. And so I've been saying that, but eventually the chickens have got to come home to roost. Eventually that's got to end up being true on the court. And while this is not going to be some make or break thing or some uh, just, you know, do or die, throw the baby out with the bathwater type of experience for Lou Dort, it is going to be something that I'm keeping a close eye on of, okay, you know, Team Canada, in my opinion, is the most talented team in the field. Team Canada, in my opinion, should win the gold. Team Canada should 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 have the pieces. So then Lou Dort is not going to be one of their most ag- aggressive offensive players. He's not going to be a player who has to be put in a position um, that that does not does not put him in an advantage. He should be able to limit his offensive role and just play great defense which is an area I think he can thrive in. He's been terrible at the rim in his career, and he didn't admit that. He, he, he was in the bottom six percentile at the, at the rim last year. One thing he's been consistent on, though, his rookie year, he shot 31% from three in the corner. Okay, that was bad. He's bad all the way around from three in, in his rookie year. We all know the rookie year struggles. Let's not forget, you know, as young as Ludor still feels back then, he never got to practice with the team. Like He could not spend days with the team because of the two-way contract restrictions back then. But anyway, his second year in the league, he shot he shot 46% from corner threes. His third year in the league, he shot 44% uh, on corner threes. Last year even, as everyone is panicking and giving up on Ludort's offensive ability, he shot 40% from three in the corner. So he does have a role that he can achieve. And, and ideally, you put him in a role where he is just a drive-and-kick weapon for SGA and for... Uh, this Thunder team in the corner, uh, and, and he benefits from that, and he can look efficient in that, plus he's playing such great defense that he can have a really good offensive role. Now, I've been making that case for Lou Dort this entire time, and we have not seen it show up yet in the NBA. And it should show up this year with, with the talent that the Thunder roster has on it right now. But it also should show up for Team Canada uh, you know, in, in, this, in this week you know, as they start playing. So I am watching that heavily for Lou Dort. And then you get some cool videos also of Shea in practice, just like you got of the Team USA guys in practice where he beat R.J. Barrett in a shooting competition bank and uh, had a lot of fun there. He had some great some great shoes on with like the Canadian flag on a shoe and like a, a, a maple leaf. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's a maple leaf uh, on the tongue of a shoe, which is really, really cool. Uh, but you've probably already seen the pictures of that. Now, coming up, is Shea better than Luca? Is he the best player 
in the FIBA World Cup tournament. We'll talk about that coming up. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. I'm Ryland Styles. You can find me at Ryland underscore Styles on Twitter or, or X if you prefer. Uh, you can also find me on thundersintentions.com. And of course, right here every morning on Locked on Thunder. Is Shea better than Luca? Now, look, this is all brought up because Tim Bomptemps of ESPN went on SportsCenter and said that Shea's the best player in Viva, then doubled down and went on the Hoop Collective and said that Shea is better than Luca and the best player in the FIBA field. Um, look, I still lean Luca. I think most people still lean Luca. And I think that Tim got a little carried away and um, kind of got put in a position where he said, like, hey, Shea's the best player in the tournament. And then he gets called out and kind of tries to double down and try to, like, try to spin it, spin his way out of it and couldn't do it because, you know, it's Luca versus Shea. And, like, it's a really close race, but I think you'd still take Luca. The bottom line here is, though, to me, doesn't matter. Like, Shea's a first, uh, you know, Shea's a first team All NBA guy. Shea's an MVP caliber guy. Shea's a 31 point per game score. The fact that this was even brought to the airwaves on the Hoop Collective with Brian Winhorst and, and McMahon and, and Bomb Thames and on Sports Center, and like, is a debate and is something that has gotten people riled up on Twitter and has gotten people engaged on social media and has, and has been a debate. The fact that this is even a debate, no matter who you want to take, Shea or Luca, don't care. You can you can argue Shea because of the defense. We can have this debate if you want to on a whole pod. Okay. You can argue that Shea was better than Luca last year, which is what Bountems is going to be, which was Bountems done in the Hoop Collective. Put that all to the side right now. Put your opinion on this debate to the side. This should be the biggest wake up call of the caliber of player that the Thunder once again have is the fact that Shea is even being discussed with Luca. And I say that because it's right. Shea isn't that conversation. Shea is on Luca's tier. Shea is one of these type of players. But the fact that the Thunder have another one of these type of players is just so impressive. And it's something that you cannot take for granted. And I feel like some Thunder fans and not in a negative way, not in like a purposeful way, but it's hard to convey if you just started following the NBA in 2008, which many of you did, and that's perfectly fine. If you just started following basketball in 2008, this feels like, oh, this is what happens in the NBA. You know, you, you acquire all-time great Hall of Fame talent. Sometimes you lose them. Then you just get more. Then you just acquire more. If you brought... The Thunder's resume of how many all-time greats have played here, how many future Hall of Famers have played here, and what they've accomplished here, even without winning a championship, even while only getting to one NBA Finals. If you brought that list of accomplishments just since 2008 and you compared it to other franchises who have been around for much longer than 2008, you would take the Thunder's track record and all-time greats and experiences over said long-standing franchise. And they're one of the most winningest, you know, organizations since their inception, you know, especially before, um, after the Chris Paul year, but, but even still they're up there. And the fact that you once again have another one, it's tough to keep telling you that it's not going to always happen because every time that like 
something happens to lose one of these guys, you get one right back. But like, it's just amazing how you've played way more seasons with one of these, you know, MVP caliber players than you ever have without one in Oklahoma City. And so whether you think he's better than Luca or not, there's no denying that they're on the same plane. There's no denying that they're on the same tier. There's no denying that they're, the same, that they're at the same table. Who's sitting on the right, who's sitting on the left, doesn't matter. They're at the same table. And, and this is a rightful debate. And Shea has an argument, and a pretty dang good one, when you factor in the defense. But I'm not here to get into that, that, that kind of arbitrary who's better thing. I'm just saying that the fact that they're here, the fact that Shea's here, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And and the journey of this franchise, it's pretty cool. I want to end by discussing just quickly, you know, Chet Holmgren has done the podcast tours. Uh, by the way, he can come on the Locked on Thunder podcast anytime he wants to. Uh, and he's on all the smoke. And he was talking about how you know any night someone can just step up for the Thunder. And I, I just wanted to list these out. And, and so... You have two homework assignments on the YouTube comment sections and also on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. Number one, leave your best case scenario for the Thunders. Everything goes to Thunders away. What's what's the result for the Thunder this year? Leave that, but also leave this. Got me thinking. Like, like the depth is insane. Like, and, and Chet's right when he praises the depth on this team. You've got the starters, which is already you know, five players, obviously. Shea, Josh, Dort, J Dub, Chet. That's already five players. But then you've got Mitchich, Kaysen Wallace, Kenrich Williams, who was phenomenal and was a big part of why uh, the Thunder struggled a bit down the stretch after they after he got hurt. Like if he, if he never gets hurt, last season's even better than what it finished up as. Like like Kenrich is a big deal in all of this. You have Isaiah Joe, another big deal in all of this. Jay Will, the starting center from last year's team. You have Aaron Wiggins, who who makes some unbelievable winning plays. Usman Jang, who has a great ceiling. Poku. Kathy Johnson, who showed a lot of good flashes in the summer league. You know, Trey Mann, that was Pratons. And then you have, you know, the, the, the Jerry, Jack White, Guru, but Tai Tai, whoever makes the team out of all that group and all that stuff at the bottom. But nonetheless, when you mix in those five guys that are going to start with Mitchich Wallace, Kenrich, Joe, J. Will, Wiggins, Jang, Poku, Johnson, man, like when you, bar, bar, you know, Batons, like when you, when you mix all that together, I once again just say it's going to be hard, A, to iron out that rotation, which is why they're going to run 10 to 12 guys again every single night. And B, it's going to be hard to find a, a game where the Thunder just don't have a punch back, you know, and they don't have a counter, they have a comeback in them. Because you're going to be able to rifle through and find, you know, eight to nine guys a night who are feeling it and who are playing good. Now, you might have a night where like five guys aren't playing good. The problem is, Okay, take those five guys out and put the other guys in, and and I promise you, around the line or along the line, someone is going to, you know, you know someone's going to play, being playing good, and and help you win games. So uh, the the depth truly is ridiculous. So your second homework assignment is list me your ten best players, and you've got to include the starting five. So you've already gotten five spots taken away. Who are, who are the next five up from the starting five? So. List me six through 10. I want to know from you, what do you got on the depth of this team? 
And I think that as you go through the responses, there's going to be some debates because there's a lot of guys to, to get this list. You know, so you, you know, you can be five more guys past the starters and you're leaving somebody pretty important out, which just shows how deep this team is. So until tomorrow with a special guest, be good and be good to one another.